0: Diane, my recorder is on the table. I'm unable to reach it at this time. I can only hope that I inadvertently press the voice activation button. I'm lying on the floor of my room. I've been shot. There's a great deal of pain and a fair amount of blood. Fortunately, I was wearing my bulletproof vest last night, per Bureau Regulations, when working undercover. I remember folding the vest up, trying to chase down a wood tick. If you can imagine the impact on your chest of three bowling balls dropped from a height of about nine feet, you might begin to approximate the sensation. All things considered, being shot is not as bad as I thought it might be, as long as you can keep the fear from your mind. But I guess you could say that about most anything in life. It's not so bad as long as you keep the fear from your mind. At a time like this, curiously. You begin to think of the things you regret or the things you might miss. I would like, in general, to treat people with much more care and respect. I would like to climb a tall hill, not too tall, to sit in the cool grass, not too cool, and feel the sun on my face. I wish I could have cracked the Lindbergh kidnapping case. I would very much like to make love to a beautiful woman. I had genuine affection for. And of course, it goes without saying that I would like to visit Tibet. I wish they could get their country back and the Dalai Lama could return. Oh, I would like that very much. All in all, it's been a very interesting experience. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also. And greater than those shall he do, because I go unto my father. The staggering premise here outlined is possible only through that of the mystical body in which we all participate in the being of Christ. The saints are a reminder of this. Their lives may not seem perfect to us, we may not even relate particularly well to all of them, but they all have one thing in common. They exist to draw us, to draw us through the sheer expansiveness of their souls whilst on earth. In this world of shadows and imaginings, we are often unsure of who and what we can trust. Today of all days, hopefully, we'll get some guidance because a holy war is erupting and the next generation of saints are poised to fight for a heaven that God has abandoned. Hello and good morning. It's Sunday, All Saints Day. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. Today is the first day of November 2015, and this is our 203rd broadcast. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. As synchronicity would have it, we of course are meeting today with the artist and co-creator of the Image comic series Saints, Ben Matthews. Mackey is a freelance artist and illustrator whose work draws imagery from Catholic mythology and the Italian Renaissance and Baroque periods, reworking compositions and subjects in the light of contemporary concerns. And you can experience this in Saints Number 1, which arrived last month, and Saints Issue Number 2, which arrives this upcoming Wednesday. More information about this and Ben's work can be found on his website BenjaminMackey.com. I first found Ben by way of his viral Twin Peaks tarot cards that are amazing. It's a pleasure to be meeting him today. How are you doing today, Ben?
1: I'm doing very well. Happy Saints Day to you. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: It's really funny that we're, we're getting you on Saints Day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, when, when, you, when you started reading the Saints quote, I, I just remembered that it was all Saints Day. And I was like, oh, this is, this is very, very perfect.
0: It is. Um, but let's just talk about last night. So you dressed up as Jughead?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, Forsyth Jughead Jones of Archie Comics fame.
0: So are you an Archie's fan?
1: I, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a newfound Archie fan. Um, I used to watch this like old cartoon show when I was a kid. Well, it's not super old, um, but it's called like, Archie's Weird Mysteries, and that was my first ever exposure to the character. I think the show was made in like the early 2000s, but um, that was, that's kind of what got me started into the world. And I have a friend who recently, she was she was kind of into the Archie scene, so she helped indoctrin- indoctrinate me into the world of uh, Riverdale.
0: Interesting. So I've got a friend also who's really into Archie's, and he thinks that maybe the universe is all in there, but I don't have any sense of its scope. Do you know when it started, and you know how long it went for?
1: Oh, oh, the like the, the Archie universe, or yeah, the
0: original Archie's comic. Wasn't it? Is it from the the '50s or earlier or later? Yeah,
1: um, let's see. It's it's pretty it's pretty old. It's one of like the three kind of big original comic books here. So it started in 1939. Wow. Um, yeah, and so it's been it's been like kind of its its own thing alongside like Marvel and DC, and it's like kept going, you know, uh, this this whole time. It's, it's, it's a really long-standing tradition at this point, which is impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, when you do something like you end up creating an entire universe where, yeah, um, where you can begin to do interesting things with the symbols. Like symbolically speaking, because it's a complete universe, the characters themselves encode enough meaning and density that you can actually utilize them as symbolic pointers for, you know anything in some respect. Right,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Which is kind of what you're doing with your Twin Peaks tarot cards.
1: Yeah, yeah, And yeah, definitely. I'm, it, like, as, as the series goes on, I, I'm realizing that I'm kind of establishing this, this language um, within the card. And, you know, it's definitely drawing on, like, some of the, the, a lot of the language that um, Rider Waite was working with. But it's kind of evolving into its own weird hybrid of, you know, the, the realms of David Lynch and Twin Peaks and uh, like the rider weight cards.
0: Well, David Lynch definitely has those, potentially, those esoteric underpinnings. So, like, there is, mm-hmm. like, deep structures that David Lynch is connecting to. But then yeah. it's interesting when you organize it in, like, a, a rider weight vocabulary because mm-hmm. you realize, oh, my gosh, it's really all there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, during, during the series, it's, it's kind of been like very illuminating for like the Twin Peaks series itself because I'm starting to pick up on all these details that appear throughout the show that I guess like you, you kind of notice on a surface level, but you didn't realize how deeply these like currents ran throughout the show, throughout the show and then how they kind of trickle into, um, other films that he's made and other works that he's done. And that's, that, that's something I find pretty interesting is, the overlap between like the world of Twin Peaks and how it seems to leak out into some of his like later films.
0: Yeah. Uh, So how, I mean, what inspired you, like and what inspired you to start making these cards and when did you do it? And then what do you think it's, is it becoming something?
1: So, yeah, it originally started off last Christmas. Um, I was doing a, at work, we were doing a white elephant uh, like gifting, gifting party kind of thing. And the guy I got, I didn't, I didn't know super well at the time because I just started working there. I just knew that he liked beer. I knew that he liked Twin Peaks. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do some sort of combination of the two. So I made these faux beer labels with Twin Peaks characters on them. So I did uh, like a Log Lady Lager, um, <laughs> like a Red Room Ale, uh, a Laura Palmer, Al- Palmer Porter. And then one of my friends made the comment that it looked kind of like tarot cards. And I was like, oh, that's a really, that's a really cool idea. And so... I went back and I started watching the show again and, you know, I started with off, I started off with like the, the major arcana, the kind of the, ten, the, the first 10 um, and started assigning characters to them. And it started coming along pretty quickly. And I realized that certain characters just fit really uncannily well with, with certain cards. And so, yeah, it turned into it turned this game where I just kind of got obsessed with making these correlations between cards and characters and, um, right now, I, I have all the major arcana planned out, and maybe a couple weeks ago, I started plotting out what I was going to be doing for the minor arcana. Because due to, due to the popularity it's been getting on the internet, I feel I really want to complete the whole deck um, and give it the whole treatment.
0: Yes. I, I, so it's, it's, it's fascinating because I, I've had a similar idea where I think you can make tarot super accessible to... All right, so here's something funny. People really like oh, yeah. people like esoteric things, but they're they're challenged by they're definitely challenged by um, they're challenged by it unless it's in a frame that makes it fun. So
1: right, yeah,
0: yeah. Ghostbusters is my example where everyone loves <laughs> Ghostbusters, but it has all uh-huh. kinds of this, you know, this deep mysticism and you know weirdness to it. But you know, clearly, yeah. Th- the authors they're into that stuff and they're exploring things that they're really curious about Mm -hmm. right and so um i think if you if you made a tarot deck with celebrities like that is a, a those are the kind of pointers that people would think are really fun and so i've been playing with this idea of like how would you do a celebrity tarot deck and mm-hmm. so one of the things that we find in our world is that oftentimes, you know, different, uh, It you, we, you th- if you think in terms of typecast, you also can find archetype casts, like Keanu Reeves right. ends up always playing this kind of messiah role. And yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting because then if you were to, I mean, do you use him as, you know, the, the, the um the fool through the the major arcana or then if you do that do you have to what do you do with the minor arcana? And so it's it's fascinating because it's it seems like if you root it in a universe like we're talking about, so the Archies has got a complete universe, Twin Peaks is a complete Mm -hmm. universe, you know, you can tell the whole story, which you know, the the hero's journey. I'm just curious what kind of what kind of um ideas do you have for the minor arcana? How are you gonna break that up?
1: Yeah, I was I was kind of unsure for a while. Um, So what I think I'm going to be doing is for the for like the 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 queens and the kings of the various um, of the various like symbols. Those are going to be I'm going to continue having those being like various characters from the show. So the the cups are going to be sort of the normal the normal townsfolk in Twin Peaks that aren't exactly engaged in like a lot of the the deeper underpinnings. So someone like um, like like Shelly, who's a little bit more on the surface um, and just kind of more the normal town folk. And then the swords, which I have standing as, like, the bookhouse house boy's symbol, those are going to be sort of the law enforcement and the law keepers in Twin Peaks. And then the wands, which are represented by, like, logs, are going to be characters that have a little bit more connection to the, like, the mystic elements of Twin Peaks. And then the coins are going to be, I think, poker chips for one-eyed jack, And there's going to be the nefarious, uh, nefarious souls who are kind of like the the villains of the series or the uh, the, legal forces going on up in Canada and whatnot. Um, And then for the the rest of like the, you know, the, the two of the two of wands, the three of wands, I think I'm going to be doing those as just iconic scenes from the show. So you might see a repeat of characters, but engaged in certain scenes.
0: Yeah, so there's a there's a, a deck called the Mythic Tarot, and what they do is they use uh, Greek gods as mm, okay. the pointers. But they take mm-hmm. they take a famous mythological story for each of the suits, and that's one of the ways. it, oh, okay. which is an interesting an interesting way to, to do it. But as you were talking, I realized that in um, the second season. You know, when, when Wyndham Earl is collecting his queens, you have, you could totally use the three queens. Or is there four? Yeah,
1: there's there's four queens. And that's that's definitely what I'm going to be doing, actually. I'm, I'm happy you brought that up, because at first I hadn't planned that. And then I, I, I was rewatching the show, and there's that scene where he's, like, putting their little, like, cut-out heads on the cards. And I'm like, right. oh, this is, way, this is way too perfect. It is. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and stuff, stuff like that, where the the these connections with Twin Peaks and Terror are sometimes like so uncanny that it's like sometimes it feels like it's writing itself, and you know, it's it's really fun. Oh, okay.
0: and so what do you make of that? Do you is that is that by design by David Lynch, or do you think this is like just the architecture of the universe, and when you tell stories, you can't help but have it come out?
1: Yeah, I. I don't know. It's, it's it's curious because sometimes I'm a little bit more of the, Oh, I think there are certain characters that David Lynch was purposely basing off of like tarot archetypes. Um, there's one scene where major Garland Briggs there, he's, he's talking about his experiences in the white lodge and there's a scene where he's like sitting on the stone throne and he's surrounded by this like lush greenery. And the pose he's striking is, it's almost exactly the pose that the, um, that the hero fan strikes.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, and, and there's also a scene where uh, Blackie in When um, I Jacks, she's, she's at her table and she's she's playing with tarot cards. Um, and it's a really small little thing. You don't see her doing it a lot, and they don't make a lot of direct references to it. Um, but like something like that kind of makes me think that maybe David Lynch has more of a conscious connection to the tarot, and then also the quote, with the magician longs to see is kind of made in reference to Dale. Um, right. Little things like that make me think, oh, maybe there is more of a concrete connection. But the at you know at the end of the day, I feel like it also could just be these these like cosmic necessities for telling stories. Because um, for me, David Lynch is someone so tapped into like these mythic archetypes in his film that it it wouldn't be surprising if these things kind of came up incidentally as the story called for the need for these characters. I um, guess it depends how conspiratorial I'm being.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. Um, the Bookhouse yeah. Boys patch, I'm, I'm trying to recall it from memory. Does it have a sword on it? Um. The, the, the Bookhouse Boys? No, it just has a tree, right?
1: Oh, no, it, it does have a sword. It has a yellow sword in front of a tree. Yeah. Yeah, That like, stuff like that too. Um, and just like the prevalence of cups of coffee. Um, you know, characters are always kind of fiddling with there's a lot of characters that fiddle with coins. Um, huh. Yeah, there's there's certain things that, that are, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes they're just too hard to pass up or to totally be like, say it wasn't intentional. But at the end of the day, it's who, you know, who's to say?
0: Okay, so do you think you're going to have any legal problems like getting this out because?
1: Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's definitely something I, I want to be very, very like careful with and very respectful of. Um, so at present, you know, I'm just I'm just working on the deck, non-profit. It's, it's meant to honor, you know, both the Rider-Waite Tarot series and Twin Peaks. And I haven't pulled any prints yet, and I haven't made a deck. Um, but if I, if I was to sort of go forward with publishing it, I, 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 I plan on trying to get in contact with the correct parties before making any sort of moves to uh, sell or distribute.
0: Yeah. So I think... Hmm... <laughs> I think there are elements of the rider Wake that are pretty easy because I think it's in the public domain. Mm-hmm. But the Twin Peaks thing, I wonder about that. So then, are you know, how big a fan are you of the show?
1: I'm 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 pretty avid. I would say it's it's in my top five favorite shows of all time. If if not my my top show.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so then, what did you think of? What did they call it? Like the Easter Massacre, or the the Black Easter, or do you do you remember that? From this past year, no. Uh-uh. So it was when, I, like, David Lynch made a Twitter announcement saying that it, you know, he. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay, so when he said that he wouldn't be directing it, he wouldn't be or... directing
0: it because they're not going to agree to what he, you know, he wants.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I stayed I stayed optimistic. I don't know. I had a I had a good feeling that it wouldn't be the end of things. Um, so. I was definitely like, concerned for a while, but like deep down inside I was like, No, I I, I have faith in you, David Lynch, like you and Showtime will figure something out.
0: And they did. It it sounds like the the compromise was they can give him more money if he makes more shows.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what do you think about David Lynch directing all the episodes?
1: Personally, I'm I, I'm I'm very I'm very, very excited about that. Since I mean he hasn't he hasn't directed anything in is it, is it like 10 years now? Cause Inland Empire came out in 2005,
0: I think. Oh really? Um, but wait, there yeah, was, so, so it's there was something I watched that was really scary though. Uh, that he filmed digitally. That was, well, that, that was
1: Inland Empire. Okay. In 2000. Yeah. Yeah. It was the long sweeping epic. That was kind of this like hyper surrealist synthesis of everything he did. He's, he's done so far. Um, but yeah, for, I mean, he's he's done a few things here and there. Uh, like he did, like I think a like a music video for some band. Sure. Um, yeah. But but he hasn't really. I feel like he hasn't. He hasn't really. I, I haven't. You know, seen something like that. He's like uh, directorially helmed in a long time. And so, so I'm really curious to see David Lynch, like what, what what how he's like changed over the last ten years, or what's stayed the same, or um what what route he is now taking with his work, um, so that uh, just sort of like an artistic curiosity point. I'm very I'm very curious. Like even if the show ends up re- being really bad, I'm excited to see what David Lynch is doing now. You know, ten years out from his last big work.
0: Yeah, but then so no matter what, this is going to be it. It'll, it'll be some kind of marvel to reconnect with all these people after I know some some have died. You know, but mm-hmm. the the idea of a complete universe just checking back in—it's weird because when you see him on Twitter, you realize how much time has really passed since the '90s. It's like, oh my gosh, these people are—you know—they're so much older now. So it, yeah, yeah. But I love Kyle MacLachlan, and you know the trajectory trajectory that he's taken since then. So it should—I mean—he's mm-hmm. such a great character that I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's it's, it's 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 nice that Kyle Kyle McLaughlin has kind of. I feel like he stayed in the public eye, and he's very much retained. I don't know. He he just still seems like this sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet man. Um, and so it's so exciting that he's like coming back, and I feel, like, yeah, he'll he'll, do, he'll he'll do a fantastic job. Um, and it's 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 exciting how well the return of the show fits in with the universe of the show. You know, talking about oh, your your favorite gum will return in twenty five years, and it's right. been almost that twenty five years. But that that sort of serendipity is 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 beautiful and mind blowing to me. That well, the right. the return of the show it, it fits with the, the the show's canon, which I that rarely happens. And you're going to get all these people who have authentically aged the amount of time it's been, which is yeah, which is it, it floors me. But it's it, 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 right, it
0: unheard like of. It. Like it's an experiment. Yeah. In... A long scale filmmaking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, eat your eat your heart out, boyhood.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> exactly.
1: So yeah, so like, and, and that sort of thing too makes me really excited for it. Just like, oh, like you know, nothing like this has ever really happened before. So it'll be so interesting to see all these, yeah, all these people coming back and you know where they where they all are now.
0: But these cards definitely have had kind of a viral life. Do you do you have a sense that maybe you've reached anyone, you know, connected to the show?
1: Um, I, I haven't I haven't gotten a sense of that yet. Um, I like I you know I, I tweeted Kyle McLaughlin at one point with like a link to like one of the cards, and he favorited it. So like theoretically, if you've seen it, but I haven't gotten any sort of response from anyone very directly. So I, yeah, I guess I'm still, <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting for. Uh, something like that.
0: It's really, I mean, it's great timing to have, you know, to start working on these now.
1: Because, yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause it's all on our brain. hmm. Yeah. that's, I and mean, that's definitely
1: helped me kind of, you know, further like the fire under my feet is with, with the, with the series coming out. I'm like, Oh, it'd be great to have all these done in time for the show. And it'll help me, you know, get, get excited too. Um, and work through my twin peaks excitement.
0: So how much work does goes into each card?
1: The, the, the cards themselves don't take um, a, wh- a whole lot of time, like in the actual like, production of the card itself. It's, it's a lot more like, a prepar- like the preparatory planning stages and then like translating that to the cards. That takes a little bit more of the time. So, you know, the actual production of like drawing the card and like coloring it maybe takes a couple hours. But if you add in the sort of all the planning... Uh, or beforehand, and you know, rewatching episodes, you know, maybe add on a couple hours to that for cards. Maybe I don't know. It's the the preparatory work kind of all gets done at once, where everything kind of drawn out and just kind of moving around cards and yeah. But but not, but not not too long, which is which is nice.
0: Do you have a favorite of the bunch so far?
1: Um, I think my favorite so far is. Probably death or the devil.
0: Oh really? Huh. Yeah. I, I think death is definitely really fun. So you have mm-hmm. you have Leland on the white horse, and then uh, I can't think of Laura's mother's name. Uh, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. But then Laura's in the background in in the wrapped in plastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I was when I was planning out the card, I had I had Leland on the horse and Sarah planned. And when I was when I was going back and like looking at the card and examining the elements, I realized there was a prostrate figure on the ground. I was like, oh great, I can I can get the whole family on there. Right. Um, and so that was like a macabre little kind of joke, <laughs> um, which is something I'm also interested in is trying to to get that sense of reverence but also a little bit of irreverency that the the show I feel kind of has too, where it's like taken seriously but there's also this. Uh, this this kind of humor pervasive throughout it.
0: Yes, right. And so, like, like the hierophant card has a UFO flowing, flight, flying around above Major Briggs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, and and he's got the owls, and then Ben Horn has got you know his sandwich, his brie sandwich that mm-hmm. Jerry brings back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This reminds me of Ginny and Jenny down by the lake. But he's got the one-eyed jacks <laughs> poker chip in his hand, too. But then, so I think if I was going to say, man, I really like, there's something about the Empress card that's really nice. You know, it feels, you know, like, it feels like the writer weight. but then, you know, the elements of the show are there. You can see the the Packard Mill in the background and then, you know, in the bed, I think is her her disguise that she wears.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very I'm very happy you noticed that the little mustache and the glasses.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um,
1: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. But then I also really like what you've done with the lovers card, just because there's something. I don't know. It just it's 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 fun. Uh, because how it plays with the Rider-Waite, but then also you know to have uh Frank and Leo as part of that watching over the the lovers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, you have cocaine and football and coffee and yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's just one of the more like bombastic cards. I, like, I was like, oh, do I make these mountains of cocaine? I was like, yeah, I think
2: I think so. I think so. Yeah. But
0: mm-hmm. then also like strength, you know, having I mean, so it's like how does that work out so perfect okay so i'm excited to see this series complete for sure and i think you're going to make a million dollars personally cause I, <laughs> I hope it all um, works out but let's talk about you know what what's really happening in your life and that was october 15th last month and then this wednesday so tell us about saints what is what is saints
2: so,
1: so Saints is a new ongoing series from Image Comics. Um, it started back in October. It's my first ever uh, published uh, graphic uh, graphic novel comic book work. Um, it's set in the modern era, and it's about these these normal people that come to discover that they have the souls of reincarnated Catholic saints inside of them, and these these souls inside of them grant the people the the like saintly superpowers or miracle powers, and these powers are based on the symbols and martyrdoms of the saints that they have inside of them. So St. Sebastian, for example, who was martyred in a hail of arrows can now grow arrows out of his body um, and fire them like Hawkeye or Katniss. And then St. Blaise is the, the titular character. Um, one of his miracles was he could, he, he pulled a fish bone miraculously out of a kid's throat who was choking. And so now the character, he can, he can heal people's growth. Um And so this, these people that, have come to discover they have these weird powers, and they're they're getting these dreams and these visions, or they're they're getting these these messages from somewhere and something that's telling them they are they're connected, and that they need to come together, and they need to start like figuring these things out. So that's kind of the the premise in a nutshell.
0: And then, so let's talk about the space between you know a modern day superhero and a saint. Do you think, in some sense, it's the same thing?
1: I, I think I think in very 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 much so that they occupy a very similar cultural space. Um, I, but the idea for these like superpowered saints first came when I was sitting abroad in Italy. I was studying art over there. Um, I was in Florence, and when you're over there, you're just struck by how prevalent these saints are and how iconic. And like when you see a Saint Sebastian, you 100 percent know it's Saint Sebastian, and you know he's always in these very epic poses. He's like riding and Agony of his martyrdom, much in the same way. When you see a picture of Batman, you know a hundred percent that it's Batman, and it, it, it's like it's kind of. And Batman's like everywhere, or Iron Man's everywhere. Um, and I feel that these these two kind of have these they're they're, they're normal humans that have a- attained these mythic proportions. So there's this sense that they're above humanity, but they're still very much grounded in it. So I feel like that's how we 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 connect so much with with both of them and why people connected with saints for so much of Western history and why today we, we connect with superheroes because they're, they're us, but the, the, the better, more golden version of us.
2: Hm.
0: Right. And then, so I did a lot of, a lot of studying Joseph Campbell at, at a point in my life. And it, I mean, he really made the point how important we need mythic structures to connect mm-hmm. to meaning and how our culture, as the enlightenment kind of destroyed our our mythic connection to religion as the underlying structure and how it seems like in the modern age it's definitely you know film mythologies that are filling that void to connect us to meaning yeah so it's it's really interesting to think of you know like star wars in terms of religion
1: yeah 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 if if you look at Star Wars today and it's like fan following and it's how how, how powerful and all pervasive it is it, it, it is like you said it's, it's very much a religion unto itself
0: and, and, but it's, it's funny because what you're doing is you're playing with both of the genres you know like you, the, the story mm-hmm. is the element with the importance and it's just what is the nature of the story so the saints are the superheroes and they are you know what is what is it that your the story is, is doing? You know what is the the large larger arc that you guys are going to tell with this? And you do have a partner, I think his name is Sean Lewis. Yeah, yeah,
1: Sean, Sean Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's a he's most known for for playwriting. Um, and we, we yeah we we conceptualize these stories together. Um, and, and sorry, so you're asking like what's like how what's the of the story? Yeah. Um, Right now, without giving too much away, they're, 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 they're getting these messages that somewhere someone else is re-martyring the saints. And they're, they're trying to figure out whether or not that's supposed to be what's happening to them, I guess. Because they, they, they come to know that they're saints. And they know that saints are, uh, the, the nature of them is that they, they die. Um, and they, they die in the name of their religion. And the die for sort of sacrifices for humanity or what have you. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it's a little hard because I guess to speak on like some of the more overarching things would to be like giving away plot points. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe.
0: Sure, I, I don't want any spoilers. It looks it looks fun, yeah. and I think listeners should check yeah. it out.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And they can get it uh, at any comic book store. Or do you have to special order? What? What? How? How can we get our hands on this? Uh,
1: it's possible that a comic store might be carrying it, um, but comic stores are such that they they'll, they they have to like they have to pick which which comic books they want to get. Uh-huh. Um, and so potentially, if the comic book owners if they have a certain if they like a certain kind of books or they, they know their readership is such, they might not have ordered the book. But it's one of those things where oh, if you were interested, you could go to your comic book store and they could either special order it or get an order in for the store. Um, it's also available on online like retailers so through Comixology or through uh, Image Comics website directly you can get it too
0: now you met Sean at Iowa was he part of the Iowa's writers workshops is the playwriting program considered part of that that the famous writing school
1: No, uh, Sean. He's a little little bit older. Um, He was a director. He is a director of a touring theater company that was based out of Iowa called Working Group Theater. And Mm -hmm. I met him through doing some stage production for one of his for one of his shows. I was doing some illustrations that were to be projected on the wall, Ah. and we while while working on the while like on set working on stuff, we started geeking out about comics. He grew up with comics, but he had recently kind of fallen away from from them. But was kind of getting back into them. And we we started we started adapting one of his short plays that had never been produced into like a kind of shorter graphic novel, kind of a one shot idea. But then I started I started talking about this idea for superhero saints, um, and we just started jamming on that really hard. And that became you know we we still had like a couple of meetings where we'd be talking about the the other the other graphic novel, but we ended up always talking more about saints. And so eventually we just shifted our focus over to that and invested all of our efforts in that.
0: Now, so I think I heard that he went to Catholic school. Do you also have yes. that upbringing too? Uh,
1: no, my, my, my dad was Catholic and my mom was Lutheran. And my, my dad, he, he went to Catholic school. But when he, he met my mom, they, I was, so I was essentially I was, I was raised Lutheran. Okay. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of fell away from the religion in high school. And then, in college, I was taking a bunch of art history classes, and I fell oh, very yeah. much like back into the world of Catholic mythology and Catholic history and religious history in general of like the western world
0: right, yeah, that's our cultural heritage if you do any <laughs> western art western music it's it's you know on some level Catholic art Catholic music,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's you know you get you get these um, these trickle in from other societies and cultures, but but mostly it's it's very much this like very Catholicized history, which is which is interesting. Um, so yeah, I kind of have like an original grounding in in, in Lutheranism, um, and then a later fascination with with Catholicism. So I kind of went the reverse route; I switched from Lutheranism to Catholic Catholicism. Um, but but yeah, so I guess I guess that's my personal experience, and you know, over I'm. Over the last few years, I've just gotten more and more interested in like apocryphal literature and some of the more esoteric branches of Christianity and Catholicism, and like the really, really early iterations of Christianity when it was first being popularized and brought into the world on, on like on a larger scale level.
0: All right. So the the other stream that we really haven't talked about is is the esoteric. I mean, it, clearly yeah. you must have some of, of these different. Um, occult stuff that you've been drawn to also like th- that like uh, the tarot cards and that kind of stuff you know what is, what is your background there what what has interest you
1: um, I think I think for me it's the the interest in the esoteric um, philosophy and mysticism kind of came it, it, it came alongside of um, like delving into like Western Western art history Um but well, it didn't start off at first. But kind of as you as you plumb back deeper and deeper into the history of Catholicism and Christianity, you start to get into like Gnostics and um, Christian mystics, um, and so like it was sort of this like evolution where oh, I was reading this more like standard history, and they would make reference to these characters like Meister Eckhart um, or Hildegard, and you know it's, oh you know this is interesting, and I would read them, and I had some friends who were in the philosophy department at the University of Iowa who are also really interested in um, like medieval mysticism. And I, talking with them kind of just for, for slowly um, directed me to these, these more niche areas of, of kind of Catholic religious history. Hmm.
0: Right. And then, so, you know, connecting it back from fiction to reality, what do you make of, so uh, last summer we spent the whole month of July thinking in terms of supernormal powers that people can sometimes exhibit, you know, what later, Mm. you know, it would be the same as what, you know, a saint would later be canonized for. Like how can this guy sit on the glacier without any clothes and not freeze? You know, what, 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 what power does he have? You know, and then it harkens back to the idea of superheroes too. You know, what do you make of like the idea of supernormal powers that people can somehow marshal?
1: Yeah. And I mean, that, that really makes me think of um, the, the book by the, the three initiates, um, the Kabalyon, you know, this whole idea that there are these different vibrating planes of existence. And if you, you, you can kind of tap into these, these upper echelons of existence and have this power of mind to enact in the physical world. So, you know, so I think there, I mean, there could be something, something to that, that this like higher state of mind can kind of enact this change in the the world around them. So potentially that's what some of the like earlier Christian mystics were doing was that they had this high level of concentration and focus that they were able to, you know, exert, exert their minds into the real world.
0: Yeah. We, we also, one of our favorite guests is this uh, religious scholar named Dr. Jeffrey Kripal. And he, he explores this the space between where you're writing the fiction that becomes reality that there is this this kind of strange overlap of what you're creating uh you bring into reality somehow through the the storytelling itself like you're yeah but you're also being written at the same time where it's both a passive and an active you know there's a element to that what do you what do you make of that as someone who is you know Drawing life.
1: Yeah, I, I I find that very fascinating, especially in regards to saints, because there are there are these very clear like historical saints that definitely existed. Someone like Saint Augustine, his work is like you know highly cataloged and you know, his life can be tracked. Um, then you get these other saints who a, a lot of them like didn't exist. Like you know, there's there's some doubts. There's a lot of doubt that people like Saint Sebastian or Saint Lucy actually existed as real people. That they're more of an amalgam of these like historical figures, or they're kind of these heroic or legendary saints that were created as a means of creating a good example to live by, um, or synthesizing the best parts of these various Christian martyrs and kind of turning them into the, the kind of the, the idea of like the perfect saint, um, that would better work as an example for people to live their lives by and better to like intercede on their behalf. So I think there's, there's some of that at work where, um, these authors would kind of write these perfected saints into existence, but over time they've developed this kind of weirdly legendary, but also real status where they've become so present that they've become very, very real in in people's lives. And even if they weren't, even if this person didn't actually exist or they were like, you know, 13 people that existed turned into one saint, they have, taken on this importance in this meeting to the people in, in their lives that for all intents and purposes, they, they did exist or they kind of don't care if they existed. Um, and they're just as powerful, if not more powerful because they aren't grounded in reality.
0: No, I, I agree. I mean, as someone who finds story, you know, uh, the, primacy, the primacy of the story, you you realize that on some level Batman or Jesus or Harry Potter it's, it's how they connect people to meaning that is important. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that's, that's something too that about that that makes me love Twin Peaks so much is that there, there is just this like deep, profound connection with that entire universe that kind of, that kind of transcends what a lot of normal TV, TV shows do for me. But there's this, this, I would say, I would say almost like spiritual connection to the TV show that I feel. Um, and, you know, all of David Lynch's works in general, too. I feel like watching them as a whole and watching them as an entire body, there's something incredibly powerful about it.
0: Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us.
1: Oh, oh. well, okay, that went fast.
0: It, it sometimes does. You've been listening to Ben Mackey on SyncBook Radio, a production of the thesyncbook.com. Information about the work of Mackey can be found on his website, BenjaminMackey.com. More information about The Sync Book, our guest, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at the slash membership. Thanks so much, And as the trail narrows, Diane, I'm very close. But the last few steps are always the darkest and most difficult.